morning, guys. Hope everybody's doing well this morning. Good morning, you guys at home. Thank you for joining us wherever you're at. It's always a pleasure. Really mean that being here and just sharing God's word with you guys. It really is. You know, once in a while, when we get together with our friends, my wife CJ and I, we start talking, all of us collectively, and we start thinking of our past, some of the things we used to do growing up, some of the things we did in high school, some of the things we did in college, and we say to ourselves, boy, that was pretty crazy. As a matter of fact, we usually say to ourselves, that was pretty dangerous. Some of the things we did were outrageous. And we all usually come to the conclusion and say this, it's only by the grace of God that we're alive. Because some of the stuff we did, like I said, was really, really dumb. And then once in a while, when I'm in my quiet time by myself, I look back and I think of some of the choices, the wrong choices that I've made. Some of the circumstances that I'm paying for, but not only me, my family, because of the dumb, foolish mistakes in my life. I know when I look back, I've done some really dumb decisions financially, physically. And most of all, I believe I've done some really dumb decisions spiritually. Church, I believe you and I are similar in that manner. I believe that you're sitting here this morning with some regrets, looking back on some of the choices that you've made, that if you could do it all over again, you would do it differently. I think some of you have done some decisions that weren't right. And you're thinking now, if only I wouldn't have bought that car. If only I wouldn't have got into that relationship. If only... I would have not said what I said because I was angry. If only you fill in the blank. And so maybe you're sitting here like I'm sitting or standing here before you asking myself, how could I have been so dumb? How could I have been so foolish, so blind? What have I told you, church, That there is maybe one question that we should ask ourselves before we make a decision. What have I told you, church, that by asking ourselves this one question could help us from making foolish mistakes. And in turn could prevent us from having regrets. We're going to dig into God's word this morning. And we're going to see what that one question is. So if you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead and open them up. We are continuing our series on Ecclesiastes. As always, I always encourage you guys to bring your Bibles with you, to follow along for yourself, to take notes, underline, whatever, so you can remember God's word and see it for yourself. If you don't have a Bible, no worries. There's a Bible on the chair behind you. You can grab it as well and follow along. We are going to have the verses on the screen behind me. Just a quick reminder, recap. We are looking at Ecclesiastes written by Solomon. He calls himself the preacher. And as I've been studying this wisdom book, I kind of sit back and think that Solomon is writing a journal, a diary of his life. 
And right here, he's towards the end of his life. He's looking back and he's writing wisdom that God has given them. So any of us, any reader can glean from his experiences, glean from his regrets. So we are going to open up in chapter 10 of Ecclesiastes. We're going to look at verses 1 through 20. We've got a lot to cover, but we've got time. Chapter 10, verse 1, Ecclesiastes says this. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. So he opens up, and he's going to start telling us some of the characteristic of being foolish. And the first thing he says, he says this. A little fly can ruin perfume. What does he mean? That a little, small, wrong decision can ruin something really, really good. It only takes something like a small, small fly, a bad decision, but not doing a wise thing that can ruin a man's character. You know, we look in scriptures, and I think of David. David, a man after God's own heart. David should have been out with the rest of the kings in battle, but he chose not to. So he goes upstairs. You probably know the story. And he makes this wrong, wrong choice, small decisions to look at Bathsheba, and the consequences we read. His character is ruined. I think nowadays we see it more and more. Where we have these prominent leaders, these senior pastors of mega churches, and they make one dumb mistake. Not only do they ruin their lives, they ruin the lives of so many. Why? Because they did not think. And that's what we do when we make foolish choices. It does not only affect us, it affects so many around us. We need to protect our hearts, church, because no one is immune from this. He goes on and talks about the heart. He says this in verse 2. He says, a wise man's heart, a man's inner will, a man's mind, the way he lives inclines him to the right. Now, in ancient writings, right meant strength, morality. So he's saying a wise man inclines him to the right. He's moral. A contrast, but a fool's heart to the left, meaning immorality, weakness. What is he saying? A wise man will make wise decisions, and you can tell. In the same manner, a foolish person makes foolish decisions. And you can spot them out right away by the way he lives, by the way they act. He goes on in verse 3. He says this, even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he is a fool. A fool knows he's a fool. And you can spot him right away. Everybody can see, oh, that guy's acting foolishly. That girl's making dumb decisions. He's a fool. And they even know it. But yet they keep on living the same way. Let me ask you, church. We have just completed three verses. Does anybody come to mind that fit these characteristics? Is there anyone in your life that you know that you can say, you know what? I can recognize a fool. 
If you do and it's in here, please don't point at that person. That's kind of awkward, all right? So let's move on. Verse 4, he's going to talk about now foolish leaders. Characteristics of foolish leaders. Verse 4, he says this. If the anger of the ruler, of your leader, of your boss rises against you, do not leave your place. Why? For calmness will lay great offenses to rest. He's saying, if your leader, if your boss gets angry at you, do not react the same way. Stay calm. By you staying calm, he too should or she should be calm. Don't act foolish when someone is acting foolish. Stand your place. Stand your ground. He continues, verse 5, there is an evil, there is a bad thing, he's saying, that I have seen under the sun as it were an error proceeding from the ruler. He's saying, I have seen this mistake over and over and over again from people who are in charge. What is that mistake? Verse 6, folly is set in many high places and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slave. He says, I've seen it time and time again. We put people up in authority that are foolish, and we put people that are wise that should be in authority as slaves. That's common. And what he's saying, we should not have foolish leaders. And never put a foolish leader in authority. Now, Solomon's going to shift a little bit, and he's going to talk a little bit about characteristics of foolish workers, foolish work. And this is what he says. He says this, verse 8, he who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. What is he saying? He's saying foolish workers don't think. They just go at it. They don't take precaution. Foolish workers are atrabancados. They don't take safety first. So what happens? What are the results of this? They break a stone. They don't check if there's any snakes, so they get bitten by snakes. Rocks fall on top of them, etc., etc., etc. Think before you act. Don't be foolish. Verse 10, if the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. Quick and easy. He is telling us to work smarter, not harder. Don't be a fool. Sharpen the axe. Sharpen the edge. Don't work harder. Now he's going to transition into foolish talkers. And I think a lot of us can relate, as I'm about to read these verses, to someone who is this. Verse 12, the words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. He's saying a wise man's words are gracious. He is respected. But in contrast, a fool's words are self-destructive. They consume him. A fool's word will most likely get that person in trouble. 
Verse 13, the beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. When a fool speaks from beginning to end, most likely it'll be nonsense. All foolishness, making no sense. Just chatters and chatters, and love loves to hear himself talk. Don't listen, just talk. Verse 14, he says this, a fool multiplies words, though man, no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him? The toil of a fool worries him, oh, for he does not know the way to the city. You can recognize a fool by the way he talks. He just talks, makes no sense, talks like he knows what he's talking about when he has no idea what he's talking about. Most likely he doesn't even know the obvious like the way to the city is what Solomon's saying. A lot of foolish talk, they just talk and they envision this thing and I'm going to be this, I'm going to do that, but they never do it. That's a foolish person speaking talks just to talk. Now, interestingly enough, and I know there's a purpose for this, Solomon now goes back to talk about leadership again. Foolish leaders and some of the characteristics. He says this in verse 16, Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is a son of the nobility and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. He's saying, good for you, nation. Good for you, land. When your leader is competent, when your leader is disciplined, when your leader leads with strength. But in contrast, he's saying, man, I feel sorry for you when your leader is incompetent. When your leader just thinks about themselves, when they're childish, when they're not noble. He continues, verse 18, talking about leadership again. Through sloth the roof sinks in, and through indolence the house leaks. A foolish leader is a lazy leader. My mom would always say to me, el flojo trabaja doble. That's what he's saying. He continues, verse 19, braid is made for laughter and wine gladdens life and money answers everything. A foolish leader thinks that money is the answer for all. Just do more of this, put some more money into it. Those are characteristics of a foolish leader. And now Solomon is going to conclude by giving us warning. A warning that we all need to hear. Verse 20, he says this, even in your thoughts, do not curse the king. Do not curse your leader. Nor in your bedroom, curse the rich. Why? For a bird of the air will carry your voice or some winged creature tell the matter. Did you see what he just told us? Even in your thoughts, even when you think you're alone, do not talk bad about your foolish leader. Because someone is always listening and we'll get back to them. There are birds on the wire is what he's saying. Let me just pause here for just a minute. I think as a nation, we failed 
drastically when it comes to this. I think as a nation, we're acting like fools, not only with this administration, but the previous administration. Because all we do is talk bad about our leadership. Even in our thoughts, we're cursing our leader. And Solomon, through the Holy Spirit, is saying, don't do that. I love what Eugene Peterson says about the issue. He says this, you salute the rank, not the person wearing the uniform. Respect the rank even when you don't respect the person. There's two observations that I want us to make as we just read these 20 verses. verses. Two very important observations. The very first observation I want us to note is that Solomon tells us two specific ways on how to handle foolish leadership. A boss, president, you fill in the blank. Two specific ways. The first way he tells us how we're supposed to handle it is to stay calm. Do not leave your post. Remember, verse 4, what he wrote, he says this. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place. Why? For calmness will lay great offense to rest. Stay calm. The second thing that the preacher tells us to do is to stay quiet. We just read that in verse 20. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king. Nor in your bedroom, curse the rich. Stay calm. Stay quiet. You know, over 2,000 years ago, the greatest leader the world has ever known stepped out of heaven. The king of kings, the Lord of lords. And as I was preparing for the sermon, I realized, like always, that Jesus set the perfect example before us. Solomon warned us on how we should react to foolish leadership. And Jesus played out that role perfectly. Think about it. We read that Pontius Pilate, the leader of the Roman Empire at that moment was, I believe, face-to-face -face with Jesus Christ right before he was going to be sent to the cross. And Pilate tells him, say something, do something. He says, I have the power to crucify you or set you free. What is wrong with you? Don't be a fool. How does Jesus react? He's calm and quiet. Why? Because he knew, Jesus knew. The decision, the wisest decision that he had made, eternity past, he knew that he needed to go to the cross so that he could pay for our sin debt. He knew when you or I or anybody makes the wisest decision to trust on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and that we believe in our hearts that he rose from, from the grave on the third day, he knew we would have salvation. That's why he chose the wisest decision. And maybe I think that to Pontius Pilate and to so many that experienced that moment, even maybe the apostles that were thinking, why, Jesus? Why did you make that decision? And they thought to themselves, that was foolish, but not to him and not to God. As a matter of fact, Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians 121, he says this, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God. 
through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. The second observation I want us to make as we just read these 20 verses is I don't know if you notice, but not once was God mentioned. Not once did Solomon write about God. Now, I believe, like I mentioned, Solomon's writing this, a journal, his diary, and he's looking back and he's writing about himself, of what a foolish leader he was. And why? Because he did not involve God in the decisions he made. Now, Solomon knew about wisdom. Solomon knew that he should have involved God in every choice, in every decision, but he did not. So I believe Solomon is looking back as he's writing this and thinking to himself, how could I have been so dumb? How could I have been so foolish? Because God wasn't in the picture. And he knew because as you read some of the wisdom books that Solomon wrote, he talks about being wise and being foolish. Look at Proverbs over 80 times. So he knew. As a matter of fact, in Proverbs 1.7, this is what he says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Solomon acted as a fool in his leadership and some of the decisions he made. He knew it. But the difference, like a lot of us, is that we know it, but we don't live it. That's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. And Paul tells you and I in the church to walk wisely. Involve God in all your choices. He says it very clear in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. He says this, look carefully then how you walk, how you live, how you act, the decisions you make, not as unwise but as wise. Making the best use of the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord? How can we walk as wise and not unwise? I'm glad you asked. I told you in the very beginning that there was this one question I believe if we asked ourselves, we could stop making foolish choices. This one question, if we asked ourselves, we could possibly have less regrets in life. What is that question? The question is this. What is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? Andy Stanley in his book, Ask It, tells us, challenges us to ask ourselves, what is the wise thing to do? Not the right thing, not the wrong thing. There was nothing wrong with David not going out to battle. Nothing wrong with it. But that wasn't the wise thing to do. Andy Stanley goes on further and says, from that question, that overarching question, break it down to three more specific questions. What is the wise thing to do? Based on my previous circumstances, based on the struggles I used to have, is it the wise thing to do? Is it wise for me to charge it on the credit card knowing that I have issues with credit? Knowing that if I do it once, I'll do it over and over and over again. So is it the wise thing to do based on my previous circumstances? 
Is it the wise thing to do based on my present circumstances? I can't afford it. I'm barely making it. So should I? Is it the wise thing to do to charge knowing that I can't afford it? Is it the wise thing to do based on your previous circumstances? Is it the wise thing to do based on your current circumstances? And then ask, is it the wise thing to do on my hopes and my dreams later in the future? Is it the wise thing to do that if I know if I charge that credit card, I'm going to be in debt. I know that I'm struggling now. But in the future, that means that I have to work more. That means I have to do more just to pay off this debt. What does that mean? What are the consequences? Maybe it's less time at home. Maybe it's less time coming to church. Maybe it's less time being before God. Is it the wise thing to do? That's the question. Above all that, involve God. Ask God, God, is it wise for me too? You fill in the blanks. And as James says, wisdom that comes from above and not from this earth gives you peace and comfort. That's how you know you are aligning your will with his. Church, what would it look like in your life? It would you maybe just ask that one question before you make decisions that you'll regret. What would it look like? I think I have an idea. Less regrets. More peace and calmness in your life. And more importantly, the peace that only God can offer us. Let's be that church. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise. That you've given us the Holy Spirit, the comforter, that indwells in us. And Father, we pray that through the Holy Spirit, we make choices that are wise. Choices that align our lives with your will. Choices that have good circumstances, not bad. Let us be wise in our walking let us be wise, more importantly, to hear from you through your word, through prayer, through quiet time. Let's be a church that is walking in wisdom and not foolish. I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. I love you, church. Have a great Thanksgiving. God bless you guys. Not Thanksgiving, spring break. I'm hungry. <laughs>